0: Can you hear
1: me, Steve-O? Oh, yeah, I can hear you.
0: Oh, wow. You're high
1: there. Loud and clear. (laughs) All right. Am I a little bit loud in your ears? Yeah, I had to turn it down, so. (laughs) Okay. Chesley Royster is the kind of person that big companies turn to when they want to make an acquisition, invest in real estate, or find a creative way to use tax credits. Most of her clients today are in wind and solar. So... I
0: find that very interesting. I find it more exciting from a tax perspective than the other areas that I currently practice in. Renewable energy is definitely
1: the more exciting uh, sectors that's taking place today. Those deals, they include a lot of numbers and math, of course. But Chesley says the math isn't as important as it seems. It's the interpretation of the math that matters. You have to know what the numbers
0: mean, because the numbers have meaning, as opposed to calculus where you have to know you know for me as soon as they drew that big f up there and said dy dx i was tapping out of calculus i was like okay i'm done with that i can't i can't deal but all you do is need simple subtraction and as long as you can work an adding machine or nowadays uh, excel or do it even on your phone uh, you don't really have to be a math whiz
1: so you have to have good instincts then for sure And that means an instinct not just for reading spreadsheets, but for reading people, knowing their motivations and figuring out why they're making certain decisions. It's a different kind of calculation.
0: True. Like, our business is truly a relationship business. When you meet people and you start advising them from a tax perspective, it's a personal relationship. People are telling you things about themselves that sometimes their spouses don't even know. Where where are the dollars hidden? How do I generate my money? Um, how does my business operate? And that's intimate details that they have to have a certain level of trust and have a relationship with you to call you when things are happening.
1: Well, now I have to ask, what kind of secrets are these executives telling you that they're not telling their wives? It's, it's exactly that. It's a secret. So I can't tell you what they're telling me. It's like uh, when you go to Vegas. What
0: happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> what happens in front of your accountant stays in front of your accountant, right?
1: <laughs> so what you're telling me is you're good at your job. Yeah. I can hold a secret. <laughs> I'm Stephen Lacey. In this episode, produced in collaboration with Cohn Resnick, we're uncovering the secrets of one of the best tax experts in the business. That person is Shesley Royster, a tax partner at Cone Resnick. Nearly every renewable energy project that's ever been built in America is the result of the tax system. That's how we've always encouraged wind, solar, geothermal, hydropower, biofuels, you name it. We do it with credits or some kind of other tax benefit. And that's where people like Shesley come in. If a company wants to do something like buy a competitor or scoop up a big portfolio of solar projects, She helps them figure out the complicated tax impacts. And unlike in math, there's almost never one right answer. So when you're looking at a transaction,
0: for example, in the renewable energy space, you have to understand what the economic motivation is behind the transaction in order to appropriately account for it. More importantly, understand how to advise your client to be more tax efficient is by understanding what, the, what all those numbers mean and why, why the business is driven in, in a given direction.
1: If someone comes to you with, say, a risky solar deal, how much of thinking through the implications of that deal is pure math and how much of it is instinct and relationships and kind of game theorying out the deal? I'd say a minimal amount is math.
0: I'd say in the deals that we have where we're discussing tax issues, the numbers play a part, but it's a smaller part. It's more the theory behind what's going on behind the numbers, right? What does this mean? What was the intent of the law? What is the intent of the deal? We have clients that are conservative in their approach to how they want to enter into a deal and what level of risk they want to take. And then we have clients that are less risk averse and will you know, say, OK, I want to push the envelope our job is to tell you where the line is and we can go all the way up to the line. If I'm able to sign it, um, sign a return and, and take a position. We just can't go over and it's up to the client to decide where they want to land within that, within that spectrum.
1: And you also know all their secrets too. Yep, exactly. That's (laughs) always good. I got to say you're, Blowing my mind a little bit here because my one dimensional understanding of accounting is basically that you're going in, you're working with a really complicated checkbook, and then you have extreme deadlines. And what you're saying is that accounting to you is uh, perhaps as much art as science or mathematics, or maybe even more art. That's true. The people who are really good are the people who
0: don't see the numbers as black and white. They don't, it's, it's uh, especially in tax, it's kind of like a game. You know what the rules are and you're trying to navigate between those rules to get the best outcome, right? So you see where something is, is gray or where you can tweak something to take advantage of it. That's what you want to do. The person who's very procedural may be good at compliance aspects of a job, but they aren't very good at tax planning or consulting. I'm kind of an unconventional accountant. If you were to probably give me a Myers-Briggs, I'm everything opposite of what a typical accountant would want. I don't like structure. I don't like deadlines. I like more people than I do like being by myself. So I was kind of like an outlier. And I think that public accounting offers me that ability to meet people and have that people aspect combined with um, the the job itself. So the two marry up pretty well. I think because of my ability to relate to people and my ability to interact with people like i told you accounting is relationship and when you're a young accountant First, you're very technical, so they want you to be technical in order to understand the code and kind of, you know, how things come together. And at some point it switches where you're technical, but you have a relationship aspect to your job because you have to be able to relate and maintain the clients that you have, as well as attract new clients. And because I kind of marry those two up pretty
1: well, that's how I became a partner. That lesson that building relationships with people is so important. It's so obvious, but it's worth dwelling on. In a lot of the corporate world, it's not always how things work. One-upsmanship, short-term thinking, a tendency to network with only people who look like you, all common. But Shesley's approach is to rise above all that. It's radically human-centered. The more you know about the people behind the deal, the better you can figure out the right economic outcome. It's been central to her work helping some of the biggest clean energy companies close complex deals. It's also been central to advancing her career. You know, you talked about the importance of relationships and understanding people. In traditional banking and finance, you often have people who are trying to suck the most out of any individual deal. But in renewables, you tend to have people who are more mission-focused, and they're really focused on the long-term consequences of their actions to grow the renewables market. Do you see that? Do you see the relationships and the people being any different in renewables compared to maybe some of the other industries you work in? I do.
0: I definitely think that renewables has a different feel than other industries that I've worked in. I think it's a more openness to diversity within the industry itself. I don't know if that's a function of it being a newer technology, a newer area. And so you have a lot uh, younger people who don't necessarily have the same view as the old school real estate manufacturing type of uh, professional. So I definitely feel like it's more of an open environment when it comes to networking and building relationships with people. I also think because in renewables, it's an open field, but it's a small group of players. And so you're going to keep going back, especially if it's a tax equity deal. There's going to be certain tax equity players you're going to want to play with. And if your name gets out there as a person who's just trying to squeeze all the juice you can out of every single deal and, you know, you're rubbing people the wrong way, that's going to get around and people will understand that's what comes
1: with you. And I think that that limits your opportunities from a business perspective. So If relationships and understanding people is so important for getting deals done, how do you go about it exactly? Like, what's your strategy for networking and building up those connections in the first place? So for me, like I
0: said, wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, I like to have a little fun. And I find that, at least for me, I like people who are a little different. So I'm a little quirky in that if there's something odd about you, usually that will attract me to you because I want to know more about what it is about you personally, as opposed to, or even professionally, like when we talk, that connection that we make, as opposed to just seeing you as another person who walks by. It isn't that I have an approach. It's just who I am. I know the cleaning lady. I know the guy who sits at the front desk downstairs. I know the guy who takes your ticket when you go outside of the parking garage, I know in our firm, the tax people and the audit people work together, but not a lot of people know them. I know all the auditors, I know I all the tax people. I know the random people on the street, right? It doesn't take much for me to talk to you. I've had people call me up and want to give me business because I talked to them and I didn't even know we were buddies, but apparently we were buddies because they called me up and they were like, hey, you get benefits from bringing in clients here. I want to refer you a client. So I think that those relationships are key. And they're not only key to business, but they're key to life because you never know when you'll need something, where you'll be, and who the person will be that could help you. And they may have been somebody that you met along the way. And the person who is closest to you may not be the person who looks like
1: you or talks like you. I really love that. The people who look like you aren't necessarily the people you have the most in common with. So you're a black woman working in an industry that is primarily white male dominated. What advice do you have for other women or minorities working in similar fields where they might be seen as outsiders, either implicitly or explicitly?
0: So I think that people have to be open to talking to people. So sometimes what I'll find is not so much in the renewable space, but when you walk into a room, especially if you're the outlier, then you have certain things you have to overcome. So if other people aren't open to the same philosophy and you go and you meet them, first you have to overcome what bias they have towards you before you even open up your mouth, right? And then a lot of times if you talk to the person, they will immediately see, oh, hey, this person's cool or they're okay. They are different than what I thought. But there are some people who won't be open to it at all. And to me, if you meet somebody and you're not able to make that connection, you have to be confident enough in yourself to say, OK, well, it's their loss and you move on. I think you can only be you, but you have to be open to meeting people who aren't like you. And when you walk in, the majority of the people are not going to be like you. And so you have to try to build relationships with people so that they see that you're somebody other than their preconceived notion of who you should be as opposed to who you are. So you can't let that hold you back. When you walk into the room, if it's all, you know, old white guys, which likely it is, you can't automatically think, okay, well, they aren't going to want to talk to me or they're going to think about me this or think about me that. You just have to go in with an open mind and be like, hey, you know, I'm Chesley. This is what I do. What do you do? And kind of try to see if there's some connectivity there.
1: If you do walk into a room of people you don't know, what kind of preconceived notions might you as a black woman face that a white guy walking into that room wouldn't face?
0: why are you here? Do you really know anything? Like, I don't really think you know anything. Um, you're probably here because you came with that white dude over there. Um, you're just your general knowledge. Usually that isn't what happens. Usually what happens is I meet you. We talk, you ask me what I do. I ask you what you do. And then we develop a relationship. And then sometime in the future, You either have a deal that's coming up or you run into an issue and you remember, oh, yeah, Shesley said she was an accountant. Let me call her up. So it's a personal relationship that you have to make with the person who just walked through the door. And so a lot of times people have a relationship with the person who they're most like. And if I'm walking in the door and I'm getting ready to talk to a guy, he may think, okay, so it's a woman. So I don't know if we're going to talk about. Anything that I'm interested in, because I play golf, I like cars, I like to smoke cigars, I like, you know, and I might have preconceived notions about him. But then when we start talking, he might find out that I like cars and he likes cars. I like dogs and he likes dogs. You have to find something where you connect with the person. And when you see a person, I think everybody has an unconscious bias about who it is they're meeting. And it's those first initial contacts where you have the ability to overcome that. And I think that that's what what I face as a woman, as a minority. When I walk in, people definitely have, a, a lot of people have a preconceived notion about what you know, where you come from, what your history is and how you can help and whether you can relate to the person.
1: I bet you get a lot of joy shattering those notions.
0: You know, it's funny. I don't, I can honestly say here here at the firm, particularly working in the group that I work in in the office I work in, I've never felt... Like, my race, my sex has ever been an issue for anybody I've worked with. The people who work in our group, in our renewables group, and the people who run our office in our firm, I've never felt that. I used to work at another accounting firm. I never felt that. I used to work at Fannie Mae. I never felt that. I used to work at another company that was public. I never felt that. But I know people are. I was talking to a friend. I had lunch with a friend the other day, and she was telling me, how she had to leave her company because there was a business combination and she led a major division and the heads of the company were now coming over from the merged group and they were saying derogatory things about her and she had to leave. So it's there. It's truly there and people feel it. The environment that we're in today with the Me Too and I think there's a lot of focus on diversity. There's a lot of focus on women um, having the opportunity to be in leadership roles that, that they weren't before. I think a lot of businesses are focused on it. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for people to really, really rise to the occasion and for business to see that having a diverse workforce and having a diverse uh, executive group You won't have everybody thinking the same way and moving in the same direction. And therefore, you have the opportunity to to expand your business in a way that's innovative and new. And I think that that's where the world is moving. What's the
1: best piece of advice you ever got on how to build your career?
0: The best piece of advice that I got on how to build... There was a guy who I worked with at, at another accounting firm when I was young. And he told me, he said, Chesley, you need to learn as much as you can from the people around you, wherever you are, whether you're here, or you're someplace else. And he said, that is something that you should really focus on. And he was right. There's always something that you can learn from whoever you work with, whether it's a staff person or a client or a peer, there's always something to learn. And as long as you're open to kind of hearing what people say and learning from them, you'll definitely be a better
1: person Shesley Royster is a tax partner at Cone Resnick. Shesley, thank you so much. Thank you. You have been listening to an episode produced by GTM Creative Strategies in collaboration with Cone Resnick. Cone Resnick serves a wide range of industries, from tech to government to entertainment, and it's a leader in cutting edge fields like renewable energy and cannabis. To learn more about how people like Shesley can help you get beyond the simple math and help discover the right outcome for your company, Go to CohnResnick.com, that's C-O-H-N-R-E-Z-N-I-C-K.com, or find the link in the show notes.